Got car trouble. Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona, and the rest of you out there in cyberspace around the world, across the country. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show, right here on ESPNTucson.com. 1490 AM on your AM dial, 104.9 on the FM dial. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, I think, should be uh, Jim Mooney, owner of Frontier Towing. I haven't heard him yet. We're still doing this thing remote. Jim, are you there? Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for listening. Well, I'm glad you showed up this morning. I realize it's so cold out there. Mia just asked me when I went down to feed the mules, and I said, when I went down to feed the mules, it's 20 below zero. I was in a short-sleeved shirt, and I'm going to tell you something. That's probably the fastest I've ever fed those mules in my life and got back (laughs) to the house. And it didn't even dawn on me until I was almost down there. (laughs) <laughs> Holy cow! You know, I either need to wake up before I go out the door, or uh, you know, have a little better plan. All right, I want to yeah, know why it probably, in the world it, four point. It, what? It probably wasn't twenty below, but it, it seemed like it. Well, I'm a desert rat now. You know, anything I, I above seventy you. starts really dropping quick. <laughs> I, I tell people this on the phone all the time. It's 65 degrees. We've got to put our down coats on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then you can't move when you get down there when you got to do your chores. It, it's a beautiful morning, though. You know, I had a nice moon out, uh, plenty of light. The only reason I use my flashlight is so I can make sure that the place that I'm stepping doesn't have something rolled up and out in the gravel or out on the asphalt or something where it's a little bit warmer. So I'm yeah. a big chicken when it comes to snake as snakes as far as, uh, well, all of you know that because of uh, a couple of weeks ago. But um Yeah, you gotta yeah, watch out I for just, those snatley uh, rakes. Huh? You gotta watch out for those snatley rakes. Oh yeah, call them buzz worms. Um <laughs> Yeah, they uh but there's nothing down there, you know, I was waiting, the coyotes normally are screaming at this time of the morning. And I was telling me, I said they start about six o'clock now. And they must be working overtime because uh yesterday morning I found a big old I mean a big uh, coyote in the middle of my arena and um okay so but i've got one of those fancy uh uh 
cameras, wildlife cameras that you put up on your barn post and all that stuff. Well, I didn't get it set up. It it filmed one night the side of the building, so <laughs> I didn't have it set up right. But it it the next night it already eat the batteries, and so I don't know what the deal was on that. But anyway, I've got a little more work to do before I find out how many different animals I've got down at the barn. I know one thing this morning when I walked out, there's a skunk that had been visiting. And that's not uncommon when you live out, you know, on the outskirts and you live out in the desert just a little bit. And so they, I, I just, as long as they don't come in my backyard or uh, crawl under my barn, which they do, they dig holes and go under the barn because it's warmer. And um, so it's just something that we live with in the wonderful deserts of Arizona. Jim, I want to know why four point million people quit their job. It's the highest since two thousand, and they said it's not because of the money; it's because of the respect. And I'm going, okay. Well, I guess you know, four point three million because of respect. I don't get that one, but I think that's more on the political than it is on the automotive. So maybe we ought to just stay with automotive. So let's step over into fuel prices. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I pulled in to fill up my diesel, and it was $3.40 a gallon. And I told myself, I said, Self, you are so lucky you don't live in California. I've seen a post where there's one city in California that had regular gas for four uh, for seven forty nine, I think it was, and I'm going, holy cow! And that brings up this uh, electric versus uh, combustible engines, and I thought, you know, that'd be a good subject to get into this morning, and let's just see what the public has to say about electric versus uh, combustible engines. But we don't want to get into the political rim of blaming somebody or any of that crap because that's just a, everybody pretty much have their own opinion. So let's just uh, let's go with uh, the electric. Um, I want to start with the electric this morning. You know, it'd be nice if you if you look at gas prices right now and you tell yourself, "Self, this is way out of out of control." And then uh, when our president says he can't do anything about the prices and stuff like that, I said, okay, so it is what it is. We'll have to deal with it. But if I had an electric vehicle, man, I could just get in that thing and I could run down the grocery store and I could run across town and I could do anything I wanted to do because electric doesn't take anything. I mean, it's just, man, you don't have to depend on – now listen to me carefully – you don't have to depend on uh, dinosaur dinosaur fuels to uh, do anything. I mean, anything. <clears throat> After all, you can just plug that thing into electric, right? <laughs> That's it. That's all you got to do. You just plug it in, and, and you're good to go. That's right, and it has nothing to do with diesel fuel prices or anything, uh, or or gasoline prices or anything, because you just plug nope. it in. And I'm sure that the electric that you plug it into now, since most of this stuff is uh, electric is created by fossil fuels and natural gas, uh, we don't have to worry about that price carrying over to charging an electric vehicle. Does this make sense to you, Jim? 
Uh, it makes 100% sense. It makes 100% sense that just because you plug it in the wall, out of sight, out of mind. You don't have to worry about where that power comes from. Um, That's exactly it's right. It, it's funny you say that, Jay. Yeah. I, I was looking at it. Somebody was asking me a couple weeks ago about you know electric versus gas. How much does it cost to charge your car? So I was like, well, I mean, so I, I don't know. How much does it cost to charge your car? So I looked it up, and it, we equate gas mileage because we're old school and 99.9% of the people today drive vehicles that run on gasoline or fossil fuels, if you want to say. Uh, so we equate miles to the gallon, right? So it costs $3 a gallon of gas, and we can go, you know, 24 miles. So that's, you know, right. X, many, X many cents a mile. But with electric, it's cost per kilowatt hour. So how many how many miles can you go on a kilowatt hour? Because that's what they bill you in, right? Yeah. So they so when they when they bill you when they when you're charging your car, depending on the time of the day you're charging, it could be you know a dollar a kilowatt hour. Well, actually, that's too high. I'm sorry. It could be a nickel a kilowatt hour, or it could be. 45 cents a kilowatt hour because the electric uh, prices have a have a fluctuating cost throughout the day. So at peak times they charge more. When there's right. when there's more more demand on the grid, they charge more. So it's really hard to know what it costs to run your car until you get the bill at the end of the month. You have no idea. Because right. you don't know exactly what you're right. paying until until you actually until somebody tells you, oh, by the way, yeah, we surcharged that this week. I, I was looking, you know, some what what the average is. Now I'm just going to go. This, this is the average. This is probably six month old data, so we're going to go with that. Um, it's about it costs about between five and ten dollars to charge your car. And that goes you maybe two hundred mm-hmm. miles, right? Depending on how hard you drive or how mm-hmm. fast you drive, so ten bucks for two hundred miles. So, all right. So there you go. But if you live in Hawaii, it costs you twenty five dollars to go two hundred miles because the electric is that much more expensive. So that that, I, that that's not good. Well, it is if you're the electric company. Yeah. It's it's great if you're well, the electric true. guys. And, the, and those. Well, I'm 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 anxious to what? see. And then you know, and I got to thinking about it. I said, you know, California, you know, the state on the west coast, uh, they have floating uh, electrical outages, you know, all the time during the summer. The heat gets up, and the grid won't handle it, and all of this. And I'm thinking. If everybody in California is pushing for electric cars, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking for the common sense for a common person, what happens when all of them are electric and all of them plug in at night, and all of a sudden the electric company sees that in the off time, which is during the night, all of this, all these grids are now loaded up. They're loaded up, and the grid in California, I don't think a grid in any one of your big states are set up to handle all of the electric vehicles plugged in at one time. That'd just be like plugging in an iron or something like that. Everybody plugs in an iron, 
and leaves that son of a gun on all night long. Of course, they've got cutoffs on iron. I know that because I use one. But um, they, uh, it just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It still sounds like that you need more of an infrastructure now to set up for electric vehicles than what was originally projected. And then with the government giving an additional $7,500 up to $12,500 for you to buy an electric car, and I'm wondering what happens when the electric grid goes down? I mean, what, what do you do? I mean, how do you, you don't just fire that car up on Petro and drive it out. And so that's one of my concerns. And right now, I think that's actually holding a whole lot of people back that have sat down and started to figure this thing out. And because last report I got, what was it? One in five in California that had electric cars went back to combustible engines because of the service you'd be driving down the road you pull into a gas tank three minutes you've got gas or gas uh, station three minutes later you've got your gas in your tank and you're off and rolling again where an electric car you pull in you're sitting there for 35 to 45 minutes to get enough to continue on with your trip so there's still a few little things that need to work out now yeah i know they've got those 440 charging stations that'll do a quick charge on a battery if your vehicle is set up for 440 and it's stage one stage two and stage three on these charging stations most of your cars as far as what 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 is your car set up for is it set up for stage one or stage two or the 440 which is a stage three if your car is not set up for 440 what's going to happen when you pull into these charging stations it's got a 440 charging station I don't see how they've got that metered out. Anybody out there would like to jump in on this conversation, 719-1490, 719-1490, and welcome to ESPN Tucson. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me riding shotgun is Mr. Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Now, this is a super safe Saturday. If you don't believe me, just ask Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. He'll tell you, super safe. Nobody wants That's to get right. out and get hurt on a Saturday. That's so, right. And, and when, I say, any obvi- what, when, when I say Super Safe Saturday, uh, at, when I'm on the radio, it's Super Safe Saturday. That means move over, slow down. Give, get, for any car, any car with flashing lights, that includes your neighbor's car that has flashing lights. If, 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 you, if the traffic gets to you, and you think you're going to get angry at it, as we all do, pull over. Stop. Get out your Facebook if that's what makes you feel better. Just try and relax. Oh, yeah. That's how we're going to get, that's how we get home today. Super safe Saturday. I got, people, well, I, the I most... drive in the, in the road. I drive in town in Tucson, Arizona. By the way, this goes for everybody that listens. If you're in, if you're in Missouri, this goes for you. If you live if if you live in New Jersey, this goes for you. Move over and slow down. It's a simple thing. If you're if you're angry at the traffic, I guarantee you, it's the five minutes that you're late is better than you not making that there at all. So, um, I drive around. I drive a, a semi truck around town, and trust me, it is very very challenging to go from stoplight to stoplight. And that's what I do all day long. So, 
I, if you think somebody can be frustrated at traffic, I'm your guy. I'm the guy that can be the most gets to be the most frustrated at traffic. So everybody else, just relax. It'll be okay. I know that seems difficult, but it'll be it'll be fine. That's my PSA for the day, Jerry. Uh, that's that's good, and I've got a little add to that. Uh, I like to get run over uh, last evening, which would be Friday afternoon, Friday night, by a Prius. And that person come over and kept coming over and over and over in my lane. Well, the traffic was kind of heavy. It's Friday night, Friday evening. And so it, it was close enough to where I could look in their window out of my window because it couldn't have been more than about four inches between the two vehicles. This person was texting, looking down at their lap. And it, it went on, and first thing I know, I kept watching the mirror, and everybody behind me started backing up. Cause they seen the same thing that I did. This person come over over halfway in my lane, and then it moved back to their lane, and then they go down the road a little bit while you were thinking, okay, do I try to get on past this person or what? And they're running about 10 mile an hour below the 35-mile-an-hour uh, speed zone, and, I'm go- and they're in the left-hand lane all the way, and uh, I'm going, am I the only one seeing this? Then I look up in my mirrors. No, I was not the only one seeing this. The people behind me had started to move over to the right-hand lanes and slow down really, really slow behind me and get some distance. You're talking about three seconds? They had about 10 seconds between us. And I'm going, okay, then I'm not the only one who's seen it. But what they did is they allowed me to move over to the right lane and then get on out and get around this person. And then when I got around this person, I went over to the speed lane uh, because I figured as slow as they're driving, you know, I'll, I'll be out and gone by the time I ever get back up to get in my lane again. And people are still texting and driving. And that texting, people, you can't take your eyes off the road that long, you know. Uh, they're saying that the response time uh, that uh, a 17-year-old texting is the same reaction time that a 70-year-old has when they're driving. And when you look at that, what if you've got a 70-year-old that's texting? Oh, my gosh. you got a 70-year-old texting. They are – huh? How does that work out? So you could give us first-hand knowledge. How does it, how does a seventy-year-old text? Uh, you pull off in a parking lot. <laughs> hey, okay, the average good, good answer. Response, good answer, Jerry. Yeah. Hey, that's all I can do. You know, I, I just you know, I I believe what you tell me, and I believe what I have seen on the road, and I know that if I take a three-quarter ton Dodge diesel and start texting on it, I don't care. It, if I run over somebody, they're going to be there when the cops show up, that's for sure, because of the size of the vehicle that I'm driving. And that thing is so big, when it starts to move from lane to lane, people will give you some room, and if they're running over the speed limit, which is normal for Tucson, uh, they're going to have to break down, and then you get that NASCAR start thing where people move out, and then all of a sudden everybody slams on brakes except for one. And um, I just, you know, it's it's kind of, it's frightening. So yeah, driving for me is a full time job, and I respect that because I'm driving an eight thousand pound vehicle. 
you're driving an 80,000-pound vehicle, Jim. You know, That's so right. I, I just, you know, I, I see trucks that are running down. I see, actually, I see tow trucks that are in a hurry to get to a place. They're not running code because they don't have a lights on. And um, I'm going, why is he in such a hurry to get down to this place? Because I know what the speed limit is. I know how big that stinking tow truck is. Why is he driving that fast? Can you explain that to me? Well, I know sometimes. you don't do it, but I, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, well, sometimes when you you get you, you sometimes you get called by law enforcement, and law enforcement will will impress upon you the the extreme urgency to be there in 14 seconds, now, because right. there's a car that's broke down, and what what law enforcement knows is that if a car is broke down on the roadway or near the roadway. You have 2.3 minutes. Let me lay this out. 2.3 minutes. I can't think. Of, can't think of how they got awarded it. Anyways, let me. I'll, I'll sum it up. It's 37 minutes before the next crash occurs. So if you can be in and out of the of the site by within 37 minutes, the likelihood of uh-huh. a secondary crash or a follow up crash occurring drops 90 percent. So if you're there working for wow. two hours, that you, the likelihood of you having another crash is very high because it, 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 on average it happens in 37 minutes. So if you're in, in the 45-minute okay. mark, you're, you're, you're living on borrowed time. If you've been there for an hour, you're really living on borrowed time. So, so sometimes right. law enforcement will express upon you the, the need to expedite your, your travel. That being said... We are not allowed to run the speed limit, run through red lights. None of that applies. You are correct. Although we right. we get right. first responder status as far as is moving, we don't we like anybody else. We have to stop at stoplights, and sometimes traffic takes a little while. And and you know we we have respect for the for the people out there doing their job. So we. We're trying to because we care. We're trying to get there as quick as we can. You know, we we want to make sure, sure we're good service to them, and that's just just the way mm-hmm. we are. But that being said, you can't act stupid at the same time. And and we have this I have this conversation with my guys all the time. You know, the the 13 seconds you got there faster than just doing it right isn't going to make any difference. You'll get right. there. We'll get there. We'll get it done. I mean, because odds are. There's going to be a blockage. You're not. You're going to have to wait for traffic to clear to get around. You know, if the road's all jammed up with cars, we what are you going to do? Drive up on the sidewalk? Drive 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 over the drive in the drive over the guardrail? No, you can't. You you have to allow traffic to move enough for you to get there. Then you can do your job and and everybody can be happy. So mm-hmm. yeah, when you see them flying down the road, you, you no, that's a bad thing. Call the number on the door. Say, hey, your guy's speeding. Oh, okay. Uh, what about the? <clears throat> I know y'all have the lights on the top of the vehicle to indicate to your first responder, and you are on call. Uh, so you're not allowed to to even run your lights when you're going to a scene. Yeah, you can run them, but it doesn't it doesn't has no value. So turning on your lights is it's the lights are the lights are to warn somebody to tell to tell them not to. To run you over, not to not right. to clear the traffic lane. So okay. when you run lights, and and they even do this for big commercial trucks with a huge oversized load, have flashing lights. 
to alert you right. that there's a that there's a, a, a danger ahead of you. Now, you you don't want to have the lights on telling people that you're a danger driving down the road. That's not that's not a very intelligent uh, method. I don't know. It, worked, are, it would have worked on that frizz. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the um, when you're when you're on scene, the lights are to indicate to you, the motoring public, that you're approaching somebody with flashing lights. Okay, and and hey, there's there's something there's something occurring up ahead. I need to slow down. I need to move over. I need to look. I need to figure out what's going on so I don't crash at him. That's what the lights are for. And, and yeah. as we've all been taught, red and blue lights are to tell you, hey, there's a, there's an officer up ahead, and so you know somebody's. There's a there's a serious issue, regardless of what the issue is. There's a mm-hmm. serious issue. There's an officer up there with the red and blue lights on. Um, we need to give him some room for so he can do his job because we don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a maybe a, a car broke down and the wheel came off, right? And it's laying in the middle of the road. And you you drive right. down the road and all of a sudden you run over that Prius wheel. Well, you and I both know, Jerry. Any vehicle that runs over a Prius wheel will will, will ruin your day. Yeah. So absolutely. The, the point, the, yeah, so you you know, so instead of, you know, like you say, instead of texting and driving and not paying attention and you run over the Prius wheel, even in your Honda Accord, you're talking about a lot of damage. A lot of da- maybe, you know, maybe even in new cars if you throw bags, airbags because it's it's an undercarriage hit, uh, maybe a total car. Hey, you don't want that. And when you simply could have moved over and got out of the harm's way, then that's what the lights do. That's what the lights tell you. Um we tried different techniques, cones. Cones work. I like cones. Um, um, when we're doing, when we're working in the street, the so cones give people people will obey cones, which is nice because they're used to them in in construction areas. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Lights lights work to a point. Um, some people ignore them because there's a there could be you can be light inundated. You know, there's if there's so many lights and it's so bright and so confusing, you you become immune to them and you don't you don't know what you're supposed to do. I've been to those situations, but wow. for the most part, yeah, just we have to drive just like everybody else. And if we're driving stupid, we need to know about it. Everybody, anybody who who, okay. who, who runs trucks needs to know <laughs> if, if somebody's driving stupid because it doesn't do anybody any good. Well, it makes a difference. Yesterday, I had the misfortune of seeing a crash, or right, it had just happened. It was out at. Uh, golf links and Harrison and you know and I was in at the feed store and so when I got ready to come out all of a sudden there's all the cones up there and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get around everything so I can get back to the house and when I went through the intersection long story short uh, there was a like a construction van or service van you know regular size van uh, down past the intersection, probably a hundred feet, and there was a car sitting in the middle of the intersection that had so much stuff ripped off the front end of it and crushed in. I don't even know what kind of car it was. It was a late model, like something like a Hyundai Elantra or something, Elantra or something like that. But you know, I was watching how the fire department and how the police and stuff handled that. Very professional. They didn't lock down the entire uh, intersection. They only locked out the lanes that they needed to operate, and they had flashing lights and all of this. And but the traffic actually kept moving around. Uh, 
And uh, and the other thing that shocked me is people really wasn't slowing down. Well, of course, you're going through an intersection. You're not running 100 miles an hour anyway. Well, most of them not. And um, but that was, you know, I, I'm began, you know, since since you've been on the show, I really pay attention to that stuff now. I mean, any vehicle that is crashed or anything sitting out there, I, I do not slow down for it. I glance at it and I go on through. Because natural curiosity will get you to glance. And, but you don't sit there and gawk because, uh, people who sit there and watch the stuff, it's like search and rescue up on the side of Mount Lemon. When you have a cargo over the side and you're pulling that thing out and then you've got search and rescue people down in there recovering or getting the patients out of the car down at the bottom of the canyon. Uh, on top of the canyon, you have to have somebody up there to keep the traffic moving because everybody starts to stop and look. And then you got the traffic back up. You got those people that said, I've seen this before. I want to get around. And then people start pulling out to pass and no passing zones. And it's a mess. So I can understand the time frame that you're operating in inside of Tucson. But, uh, you know, still texting, I, I, I cannot say enough about texting. I am so, I get, that's the only thing. It irritates me. It don't give me road rage because, you know, if, hey, if you want to take yourself out, there ain't nothing I can do to help you. Uh, but if you run over in front of a, my 218 three quarter ton Dodge, that's about two foot higher than it's supposed to be anyway, and it's still factory height, uh, you put a prison in front of that, that's going to be kind of like a, a speed bump. And I, I that that scares the Jesus out of me because nobody wants to crash somebody and hurt somebody. And for the people out there, and I see this every time I drive, I see people that are texting and driving, and and it just I'm going, come on, people, you can't be, you've got to realize that it affects your driving. You've got to realize that it affects your driving. You know, uh, how the cop cars actually answer a computer when they're driving down the road. I haven't figured that out either. But uh, the, I don't see anybody coming out of their lane, and I can see inside of cop cars too. And, you know, those guys are, they're glancing down and they're driving. They're glancing down and driving. All of a sudden, you see them pull off on a side street. I figure that's where they're getting their information from. They can always do a UE and come on back out on the main street, but at least they get out of the way. And at least they don't, I don't have to sit there and figure out what you're going to do because I know you're texting. Anytime you start just drifting over in my lane and I look through the back of the glass, I see your head looking down the seat or over to the side. I know what you're doing because your speed's going to vary. You're going to slow down and then you're going to start drifting to the right. And all of a sudden you'll speed back up. And uh, so it's, it's kind of like following a drunk driver down the road. So please, please, please tell your kids, tell tell your kids don't don't text and drive because Jim at Frontier Towing will drag a vehicle out to a car show to show you what happens when you have text and driving. That's still a big deal. Who was it? Was it you, Jim? It told me that you can go to an accident and you can tell if they were texting and driving just by the collision on the vehicles that's involved. Right, yeah, you, you, they, they, well, not me, but the, but the investigators can. They can tell you right away. They, they, they know. I mean, so when you get in a crash, um, you're pretty. If, if you're, 
if you're incapacitated and need medical assistance, you know what happens? All your stuff is laying in the car. And guess what happens? They look at all the stuff in your car, which means they download your phone, they download your car computer, they look at all the everything inside your car to see what was taking place because they need to understand. So they know immediately if you were texting and driving, they say, well, wow, the text is right there for in plain sight. Um, if, if you aren't incapacitated, they'll ask for your phone and, and, and start checking it. Um, but in response to your question about how, how do the police do the computer and drive at the same time, I'll tell you real quick. Um, so Tucson Police Department has um, has a racetrack. Um, it's out of the it's out by the prison, out by the state prison, out on Walmart Road. And they have a racetrack, and their racetrack is the, the about the it's a little bit maybe a little bit smaller than the one at Tucson Speedway, and it has a 45 degree bank corner in it. So it goes up, and with one end of it is has a 45 degree bank on it. Really kind of slick, and they've had it for a long time. And what they do is they'll take a group of guys, I mean not 20 of them out there, and they teach them pit maneuver, which is how to push a car out of the way. And they all get together right. in a, in a, in a, like a NASCAR-style setup, and they drive around the track. And they'll have a guy in the middle, you know, so they're simulating three-lane traffic. Imagine two car, three cars in the front, three cars in the middle, and three cars at the end, right? So cars on each side of you, cars in front and back. And your job is to learn how to operate the computer while driving in that traffic. And they go around the track. And if you crash into them, then you get to do it again and again. And they, they spend their time driving around the track learning how to, how to negotiate a computer and their car at the same time in traffic. And there's like 20 of them, mm-hmm. and they take turns. Everybody, One guy gets to be the, the guy running the computer, and then, the, then everybody else drives the cars, right? And, and they and they do this. They do what traffic does. They they swerve in and out. You know, they they go backwards and forth. You know, so that so that you get real life experience of how to work a computer and keep your eyes on the road at the same time while going up over a bank corner. It's kind of impressive. It's really kind of impressive. I watched them do it because we move cars around for those guys, and I, I watched them do it. And I'm like, oh, they're they're training, and um, they spend weeks out there. They'll take a class out there for a week. And just go around and go around that track. So, so when go you ask them how they know how to do that, so when you ask them how to do it, it's because they've practiced and practiced and practiced. It's not like they just jump in the car and know what to do. They practice all the time, all the time. They practice this stuff. So, when it, I know people think they're good at texting and driving, but yeah, you're not. You're just you're just you're just teasing yourself. <laughs> My granddaughter took a uh, uh, evidently Ford Motor Company sponsored by Jim Click. Uh, they had a bunch of Mustangs out there, and they took a bunch of high school students. You had to be over like 16 or something like that, and they took them out to these tracks. And they had people riding with them to keep them them killing themselves. And uh, my granddaughter did that, and to this day, I don't think she texts and drives. But she said, you cannot text and drive. You cannot pull it off. And she's the one that can operate a, a cell phone keyboard faster than I can even locate the numbers. And she does it very efficiently, but she doesn't do it while she's driving. Uh, you know, you call her, and uh, if the phone rings three or four times, that means she's probably in her vehicle. 
You want to text her, just text her a message, leave a message on the phone because she will not answer it until she gets to a safe place where she can pull off and do it. She says she's seen people go over those banks out there, slide out in the desert and everything else, and we were only running 30 miles an hour. And she said it's it was really eye-opening. So if Jim Click ever puts another one of these on in Tucson, Arizona, somebody needs to call me, and I will promote the crap out of that thing. Uh, you know, it, it, the, we got a hold of Ford Motor Company a few years ago up in Detroit and see if we could get something set up in Tucson. We got a hold of the lady up there that controls that stuff. And she said, we don't have anything else, uh, planned out in that area. And, uh, I'm thinking if they had a clue how important it was and what kind of effect it had on these younger drivers that you're in high school age, just got their license and, you know, uh, are starting to drive. If they could just try that and find out just how almost impossible it is to safely drive and text at the same time. Uh, but she said, uh, well, there's nothing, nothing additional planned. And yes, I'm familiar with the one you had in Tucson and, um, but they have professional drivers that come in with these Mustangs that they had out there on the track. And the professional drivers were riding right with the students. And it was, it was incredible. Well worth the, well worth the having her registered in that thing. I feel real good about that. But I wish they had more of them. In fact, I wish they had them once a month. And people could get out there and see. And a lot of the people that, oh, I, I, you know, I've been driving for 50 years. Okay, big deal. You still can't text and drive. I don't care if you've been driving for 75 years. And um, I, I just, I just think that would probably save a lot of fender benders and crashes and stuff like that, and save lives. You know, but that's just my personal opinion. And everybody's welcome to Google it and see if it's uh, even close. But uh, anytime you can train for this, it's like they used to have driver's ed in uh, school. And, I, I, of course, the budget restraints probably took out driver's ed. But I don't know, you know, I know there's private uh, driver's ed classes that you can go get. And that, to me, for a young person driving or even some of the older people, you know, it's called a checkup from a neck up. Find out what you're doing wrong. You've got to audit yourself as far as your driving skills, because all of a sudden something will pop up. It's not when you're driving normal that you've got to worry so much about it. You have to worry about the other person that maybe not driving normal is going to get you in trouble. So for the people out there, take it from a guy who used to drive stock cars. You drive defensive, not offensive. If they want to pass you, let them go, except if you're running a race car, then yeah, you got to block them, and, but you've seen what happens on NASCAR if you're a NASCAR person, and you can see what happens when you try to block somebody and the timing's not quite right. Everybody crashes. And so that, that, that's my soapbox for this morning. Oh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. <laughs> Since we're talking about collision. Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Steiner Road. They're behind Jiffy Lube and the car wash. The phone number is 744-4454. They are a full-service collision center and paint shop. You, you've got blisters on the top of your car from sunburn. Uh, they can fix it and match the paint without having to paint the whole car. 
Uh, it's all computerized, of course. It matches the paint up, and when they put it back, it looks just like the rest of the car. They do an excellent job at that. Um, and then uh, headlights. You know, I clean my little headlights on my Honda about once every two years because it gets to the point where I think I'm going blind at night, and uh, I clean my headlights out, and all of a sudden I figure, well, it's kind of like if you wear glasses. You know, when you get finger smudges all over your glasses and you're so busy you don't have time to clean them up, and then at the end of the day your head hurts, mainly because of eye strain. You're trying to look through the fingerprints on your glasses. That's basically the same thing that happens with these caked-over film on your headlights. Get your headlights cleaned. And, you know, you can get those done at Parker. You can get them done at Automotive Specialists in addition to Spectrum Minor Road. You know, just – and you can do it yourself. I got a suggestion when you buy the kits to do it yourself. Don't you even start it <laughs> until <laughs> – excuse me – until you've read all the instructions and then lay the instructions on the top of the fender and pay attention to the instructions and follow the procedures on what goes first, what goes second, and what goes third. And then the dry time for this thing. If you're going to do it, try not to do it in a rainstorm. And hope like the Dickens you don't run across something like I run across. It rained at one of these pop-up showers from nowhere about five minutes after I put the final coat of sealant on that thing, and I got to do it again because it was still wet, and it didn't it, – it marked it up. Now it had teardrops coming down the middle of it. So – but anyway, just pay attention to the instructions on that. You can do it yourself. It is possible. Uh, you take your time. They say, oh, you can do this in 10 minutes. If you do it in 10 minutes and that's your first time, you probably screwed something up. Either that or you memorize all the instructions and you're brilliant enough to follow the instruction to the letter the first time through. So take your time, double-check yourself, and uh, get these things cleaned up. You'll be happy. You'd be surprised how, how much better your eyesight is at night. And then you don't start outrunning your headlights at 40 miles an hour. All right. The... Um, you got anything you want to add to that, Jim? Uh, just that I've tried the headlight cleaning thing, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, I did it on a on a junk car because I didn't know what to do, and I read the directions, and I screwed it up anyways. Take it to somebody who knows what to do. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll be a lot happier. <laughs> I know anybody can do it, but I'm going to tell you. I, I thought, oh, this will be a, I just like Jerry. I thought this will be a piece of cake. This will take me 10 minutes. Yeah, forget that. Yeah. It does not. It, it, if you've never done one and you and you go out to your car and you think, oh, this will be easy, and then you realize that you've, messed, you've made it worse, and now you go buy the headlight assembly, well, I said no, to the tune of about $500 because it's in a whole integral piece. That's right. The, the turn signal mm-hmm. lens and the, and the lights in the back. Uh, oh, by the way, you got to take it to the body shop to have them take it off because it's got 73 screws in it to hold it on. Oh, and you got to disassemble the the radiator and get to it because, well, it's not designed to come out. Um, yeah, save yourself a bunch of time. Just take somebody who knows what they're doing, and you'll be very happy. <laughs> that's what I found out. I, that, that's my two cents. The, be- 
Well, my my three cents coming in behind you. Uh, I found out, I'm going, why do some cars have it and some cars don't? And so being the curious individual that I am, I ask. I know I'm a male, and I actually ask for a little help on this. And uh, they told me that when you go in or you wash your car, more so at a car wash than at home, because if you're at home, of course, you take the water and you wash all the loose sand, which is silica, off of the plastic with a hose. You just knock it off, knock the big chunks off, as we call it. And then you use a little sponge on it, and you're nice and smooth, and everything seems to work pretty good. Well, when you take it to a car wash, they used to not spray off the the front headlights. Now, the last few times I've been in, they actually spray off the headlights and knock that loose dirt off. Because that loose dirt, when you get into the car wash, you know those big old belts hanging down that actually go back and forth on it? Well, if you've got dirt on it, it actually cuts the sealant off of the plastic headlights covers. And that opens it up. And then all of a sudden you start having the sunlight getting in there and penetrating that because you no longer have that protection on it. And then it starts changing. Well, when you get ready to do your headlight treatment, that's the reason you follow the one, two, three, four instructions on that son of a gun. Because if you don't, guess what? You screwed up something that the protection that goes over the headlights there's a finished rag that goes in there that goes on after. Seems like everything else is there, and that's the sealant that has the UV protection in it. I guess you know it didn't say it has UV protection in it. I didn't see that. Of course, I probably didn't read enough either. But um, that way, it'll stay more than you know three months or thirty days or stuff like that. I mean, it's not that I've ever done that twice, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, you know, you learn from your mistakes, but and the bad thing about it, it took me over an hour and 10 minutes to do the first set, and I still messed it up. I'm like Jim, you know, and you feel, I mean, it's not my first dance around washing a car or, you know, doing something simple like cleaning the headlights, especially when you got the packet, the best packet on the market right there in front of you. But you got to read the instructions, and you've got to be patient. And patience is not something that the U.S. is known for. Well, especially males. All right. What? Especially males in the U.S. I, I'm with you. I'm not a patient. I, I get an impatient right away, and I want to rush things. That's why sometimes I err and go, you know, if I let somebody else who knows what to do do this, I'll stick with what I know what to do and let them stick with what they know what to do, and it'll be cheaper in the long run. Oh, it, it, it doesn't cost that much to have a headlight clean, and it's worth every penny of it. So if you've got a headlight that's starting to uh, shade up on you, uh, you know, I will tell you one thing. It's easier to get it before it gets caked on to the point you can't hardly see through the headlights. Then it's going to take you more than 10 minutes, I'll guarantee, because you've got to do a bunch of stuff. And I read everything on YouTube on cleaning headlights, everything I have seen. And every time I go in to check it on headlights, there's somebody else added something else. 
I've run across one time where they say you use WD-40 on it, and that'll work just fine. So I sprayed WD-40 on it to see what it did. Well, wow, that's amazing. It was clear for about mm, five minutes. Then you could see that, well, it really wasn't clear. And then you have to go back to your little training. But anyway, a lot of people are not going to do it. I think we've done beat this subject up pretty good. And hopefully the people that are doing it, the biggest thing, I don't want you to text and drive. And I'm not saying that just for me. I'm saying that for a lot of people out there that's a, that is affected by it. Because if you push me out of that center lane in a three-quarter ton Dodge diesel and the guy's not paying attention because he's texting on the right lane, the guy that pushed me out of the center lane was texting. That's how he pushed me out of the center lane. I'm looking for an exit, and I've got no place to go. The guy's too close in front of me. If I accelerate, do I have enough power in that diesel to get out of the way? Yeah, if I've got an exit. But uh, I just, you know, if people just pay attention, the average response time on a text message is 13 minutes, Okay. In 13 minutes driving across Tucson, you can get to some kind of a parking lot that's empty or some kind of a shopping center that has where you can pull off the road, get completely off the road, stay off of the side streets, go on a parking lot or something where there's no traffic moving. If it is, it's coming in at about one mile an hour, and they're paying attention because they don't want to hit anybody in a parking lot. So use that as your exit. Uh, any car shows or cruise-ins today, call 719-1490 and tell the board op, and they'll get that message to me, and I'll put it out on the, on the airways. Any car shows or cruise-ins, you know, there's a lot of gearheads out there that listen to this show. And a lot of times you'll have car shows, maybe they've got a classic car, and they're not at one today, and they'd like to go because that's just what we car guys do. I went to that big thing I had last weekend over at uh, St. Gregory's. Holy cow. Turned out that's the largest one they've ever had. I believe it. Beautiful cars. Seen the Batmobile. Beautiful cars, antiques, uh, hot rods, everything that you can imagine back from yesteryears. A lot of them are still stocked. They just cleaned them up and got a lot of chrome on them. Uh, it just, I mean, it was beautiful and it was a fun day to be out. There was so many people in that show that you could not stop in front of a car and look at the car for more than a minute because people were actually pushing by you. That's how busy it was. I heard from a buddy of mine that was part of the top end of that car show. And she said that's the largest one that they have ever had over at St. Gregory's. And I mean, there were people walked. I walked three quarters of a mile after I parked to get to the entrance to the car show, walked about two miles, two and a half miles while I was in there, and had to walk back. I thought I was going to die by the time I got back to the car. And then they had a shuttle running. But the line to the shuttle, it would have had to been one of those double buses like they've got in Las Vegas to get you shuttled from one point to the other. So we just walked on up there. It, that was my walking exercise for the day. It lasted me about six months. Um, 
<laughs> but anybody that has a car show or cruise in going on today, 719-1490, give me a call because I know they haven't started yet and we can get the message out. 719-1490. Call and let's get this message out for the people who are looking for things to do later on besides mow the yard. All right. But, yeah, because nobody wants uh, to mow the yard. Not even, not even me. I didn't want to mow the yard. Yeah, I know, because you just, you you know, I I had a landscaper in my place this week to try to help me catch up with the uh, rains and stuff that we had. Holy cow. I didn't realize it looked so bad until it started looking so good. And then while I was there, the neighbors started stopping by. So the landscaper, I guess, is going to be busy around this location for quite some time. And that's good, because it's hard to get them out. They're, they're busy. <laughs> Yeah, they are. are. You're right. The rain has brought out a bunch of weeds and a bunch of everything. All right. So originally I had a little note in here. It says electric versus combustible engines. And for people that are are buying these cars, uh, do your homework. Because I like electric vehicles. I'm not going to lie about it. I like electric vehicles. I like the fact that you can just get in and plug them in at your house and then, you know, at nighttime and then next morning they're all charged up and then you can get out and then you can get in this car. And once you get used to big, no engine sounds, you just kind of push your accelerator and it takes off. Um, I, I think. That is that is going to be the future. I don't think, be honest with you, I don't think they'll ever replace a 55 Chevrolet. I don't think they're ever, there'll be a backup, there'll be a primary, but they won't replace them because we're in love with our cars, especially in my generation. Uh, the younger generation, I understand that the, even the driver's license for the young people is way down. Because, I mean, they can, they can call Uber, uh, they can call a buddy that might have a car and five or six of them pile in like we used to back in the old days. And, but they just not applying for driver's license. A 17, I think this was a 17 year old bracket that the stats that I heard or read on. And so they don't, I mean, it's not your backyard work. Your work on your car in your backyard, like it was when Jim was growing up and when I was growing up, uh, where you could go out and work on these cars. You didn't need to have a $5,000 computer system with technical data in it to get you from point A to point B. And so when the automotive industry electronically took the cars out of the backyard mechanics repair capabilities, we lost all the the girls and guys that used to help her dad work on these cars. They're not there. And so, you know, they can tell you anything you want to know about a smartphone or a computer. And believe it or not, people, that is where the automotive industry is right now. Ideally, if I could hire a guy coming out of high school, coming out of an automotive class so he knew the difference between a tire and a fender, and with the computer skills that these young people have, and put them in with a certified ASE, certified technician. That'd be one of the best training exercises for both people. The guy that has been there, done that, is constantly having to fight to keep up with the computers on something that he wasn't raised with, 
So he has to learn all this stuff. This high school student, believe it or not, at 17, 18 years old coming out of high school, they already have that skill set. So if you put a certified, good technician, don't even have to be certified, just a good technician out there with them and train these people with the knowledge that the young person has and the knowledge that the older mechanic has, you're going to have a good technician because that two blends extremely well together. You know, but uh, that doesn't seem to be happening as much as we would like to see it happen. We've done tried all the different schools that they've got out there trying to get help, uh, and it, it just it's not happening. It's just not happening. So when you're talking about shortages for people working in restaurants, uh, and then I I looked at this number yesterday: four point million quit their jobs. And it wasn't because of pay, it was because of respect. And the first thing on that list is something that I think has been PC'd and pulled out is treat other people with a golden rule. How many people actually know what the golden rule even was? Do you remember what the golden rule is, Jim? The golden rule. Treat somebody like you want to be yeah, treated. Like you honestly want to be treated. Like and you are exactly right. And, you know, I run a business for, I'm still in business. I'm 40, 46 years into business now. And that's, that's what I was raised with. Of course, I'm from a Bible belt out in North Carolina. And that was the golden rule. That golden rule's been around so long. People mention golden rule. I've been in seminars that they were talking about golden rules. And I mean, in the automotive seminars, any of your educational, any of your get along with people type seminars, and they will they will tell you, <laughs> and it went from teach the golden rule or go by the golden rule. It went by go go by the way you want to be treated. They didn't even call it golden rule because most people had well they didn't know what the golden rule was. And um, if they'll do that, and that was that was one that was number one, four point three million people, and a golden rule was number one on how you need to treat people. And I'm going, to me, that's never been a, that's never been a brainer. I mean, it's just, that was built in. And that makes a big difference in the way that people will actually stay with you and work with you and stuff like that. If you treat them with respect, don't treat them like a piece of meat. Uh, you know, and I use the piece of meat like most of your college athletes are when they go into, uh, on a full scholarship. They treat them like a piece of meat. Seen it. Been there. Done that. And, you know, because the coaches are under, they're under, uh, contract. They've got to win. So they do any, anything to win. And unfortunately, the winners normally have the golden rule or go by a golden rule. I don't know what they call it now, but, uh, that's the ones that have your better successful teams. So anyway, we're, we're just about out of the first hour, Jim. Uh, we got probably about 30 seconds right now. Uh, is there any, and of course the music's going to come in and tell me to shut up, so that's good. And, uh, <laughs> 30, 30 seconds. All right. Well, we finished that. 719-1490 on anything that has to do electric cars, combustible engines, uh, people changing jobs, uh, texting and driving, any of that stuff. And we'll be right back after these messages. 